Well, hello, and welcome to Remember God Loves You, and I'll meet you at the finish line. I hope you guys are having an awesome day, because I know I am, because today is a day that the Lord hath made, and we shall rejoice and praise and be glad in it. And God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Well, happy Tuesday. i like to wish everyone. I can't believe how fast a week has gone by. You know, it's... <laughs> It definitely blows my mind as we are nearing the last week of October. And that means it's going to be the last week of uh, next, you know, Christmas is going to be around the corner and everything is going to be exciting. And so it's definitely been very interesting uh, today. And I, you know, I have to tell you this before I continue on. I absolutely love online classes. I do. It's phenomenal because. You get to work at your own pace and you get to just work and you get to, I mean, it pays off. And so with everything in mind, we have to take a bigger look at our life, you know, just like working and being a perfectionist, you know, have you, and that's what the big thing is being a, how being perfect in our life, we can't live a perfect life no matter what we can try to, but we can never succeed very fully. And very good at it because <clears throat> I'm more of a person. Now, here's where it leads to, you know. Well, before we start off, I'm going to start off with uh, start us off with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that we can just come here in reverence of you, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you can watch over our hearts and that you can just protect us no matter what. Lord, I just pray that no matter what happens, you may guard our hearts. And that we may not be, we're not perfect, Lord, by any means. The only person that is perfect and that lived a perfect life was you, O Lord. And Lord, I just pray that we will be perfect one day when we're up with you. And we will be perfect in one day where no more suffering, no more pain. We will all be there. So Lord, I just pray that you can continue to show your love and mercy for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. So I'm going to get to the being a perfectionist at a later time today. Not later time today, but well, yes, a later time. But we're going to be reading First uh, Peter chapter 3, all of chapter 3, actually. And so it states off in verse 1. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your husband, that even if some... Do not obey the word. They, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accomplished by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incomparable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. I absolutely love the beginning of it because so much now, hopefully this doesn't sound weird, but so many women <clears throat> think that in order to appease their other half and in order to, um, in order to think that they need to, be loved they need to wear some kind of makeup 
Number one, they need to wear some kind. They need to be somebody that they're not to live a mock, modest, perfect life. And I'm not saying that men do it. Men do it too, but it tends to be more women. So they need to put makeup on. They need to like wear different kind of clothing. They need to be somebody they're not. Either act a different way. But in the big picture of things, if I were in a relationship. I don't think women, you know, as long as you like wear modest clothing, that's good enough for me. Because I shouldn't be looking, and men should not be looking at the outward of appearance of a woman. They should be looking on the inward and whether she loves God and if she puts family number two. I mean, let's think about it. That is 100% true. And so we, and it continues on in verse five for in this manner. In formal times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husband. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are in, uh, whose daughters are you, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. <laughs> Sorry, I like to apologize. Okay. And. Now, just because a woman has to be submissive unto her husband. Now, I don't mean. Okay, so another thing I want to kind of bring break down the barriers. Women, I don't mean like if you're in a relationship, I don't mean that you have to be submissive and every. And I'm not giving a man an excuse to defame your wife or to call your wife out and act a horrible, treat your wife very wrong. That's completely false. What I'm getting to is women need to be submissive. And likewise for men, and we're going to get to the likewise for men. But women, you also have to be—if you love that person—you have to make sure that you love him because of his love for God, and that you can't go cheating around. Number one, and you can't do things around his back because that's not obeying your husband. That's not obeying God. Because the big picture is, if you love God, you're going to be willing to obey him. And another thing is that you don't have to, and if you disappoint him, disappointment is the biggest thing that I find out in a relationship. And a matter of fact, I also find it to be interesting how um, men are tend to be, you know, if a woman breaks the heart, you know, women have this kind of a mindset thinking, okay, well, men can just forget. But at the same time, when a man breaks the woman's heart, that detriment that leaves a detrimental impact on them. I hate to say it, but it plays on both sides. I've had women break my heart, and it has lingered for years. And it's it plays both sides. It's like this in a relationship. It's like a glass piano, and I say this when I go speaking. I say this a lot. In a relationship. It plays both sides. Once you break that glass piano, you can put the bigger pieces together. You can put the tiny pieces together, or you can try to put it back as much as you can. But there's always going to be pieces missing. You can substitute it, but it'll never be the same. That's how trust is in a relationship. And in verse seven, we're going to read this: Husbands, likewise. Dwell with them, with understanding, giving honor to the wife, as <clears throat> as to the weak as to the weaker vessel, 
and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. And we're going to continue on to, you know, I think we're going to read a bigger picture and we're going to, we're going to continue on in verse nine or in verse eight. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender-hearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or revealing and for revealing, but on the contrary, blessing, <clears throat> blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from, uh, from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Amen. And amen. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Amen. Well, <clears throat> in verse 13, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteous, righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear, having a good conscience. And when they defame you as evildoers, those who reveal your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. <clears throat> in verse 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he, he went and, per, and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, nor the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Amen and amen. Holy cow. Okay, I kind of feel bad because I should have slowed down and broken parts down by at the same time. When you get into things, you just want to 
and that breeze right through, but you want to just continue to read and finish a train of thought or finish a devotional. But there's a lot to choose from there. I mean, for instance, you look at how we're going to be, we have to suffer as Christians. We have to. Now, I mean, I wouldn't say like we're going to suffer like it's happening in the Middle East where, you know, there's beheadings and stuff. That's a different, well, that is suffering. And whether you like it or not, it definitely is a heartbreaking to see. You know, and it's, it's absolutely, it blows my mind that we have people still being callous to, you know, thinking that we're, we're not going to be suffering in America. As Christians, we're not going to be suffering. Well, that's because we face a different kind of suffering. We face a different kind of suffering where, for instance, you were friends for a long time ago. And next thing you know, you know, people like, you know, you lose friends once you accept Jesus Christ. And what happens next? Well, you you get suffered because they call you out for it. And they say, well, you're not one of us anymore. Or, you know, you don't belong here. Or who do you think you are? You know, that's not, that's that's a different kind of suffering. But that's shifting in America. And that the attending of suffering is, <clears throat> is that you, um, is that like when we face tri tribulation, when we face being attacked, we need to make sure that we are prepared. Number one, we need to make sure that we can't be afraid for what is to come because we will be attacked one day. All you have to do is turn on the news. It could be with a matter of days. It could be a matter of hours. It could be a matter of weeks. And that's why if you truly love your wife, if you truly love your spouse, you want to make sure that they're educated. You want to make sure that they are on the right side. And by you obeying God, they're going to obey you. Because the relationship is going to be centered around God, not around you. So now here's the big picture. Why did I start off saying I, I used to be a perfectionist? Well, because when I, when I first, I mean, do you ever feel like a perfectionist? If so, you know it can be pretty stressful. I call it OCD. That's the best way I say it. You know, I have to make sure, especially like, you know, with getting your academics done, especially getting your things done. I like, it's interesting because <laughs> when you're OCD and stuff, you have to have arranged things in a meticulous way. You have to have a certain amount of pencils. You have to have a certain amount of time allotted or allocated to certain subjects. I mean, it's very stressful. You That's a stress that is brought upon you. And even gets worse when we think that we have to live a perfect life when we accept Jesus Christ. Because you always know things could be just a little bit better if you worked a little harder or, or spent more time getting it right. Well, it's annoying. It gets very annoying. And especially when, you know, when I first accepted Jesus Christ, I thought I had to live, I thought I had to be perfect. And that lasted about two days. Actually, it didn't last two days. It lasted about two minutes. And it was very frustrating. 
And when I thought I could give away and I thought I could give away and be like, okay, you know what? I can give up some things. You know, I know I'm going to mess up a little bit. I know I'm going to mess up like probably before the day's out, but try to live a perfect life. Try to be a little bit more obedient to God. Well, then it gets a little bit frustrating because you have a really bad day and you wonder, okay, I had a horrible day. What is next? I mean, I need to make sure that uh, something is up. Well, you don't have to be a perfectionist to get stressed out about doing the right thing in life. We don't have to. There is so much pressure to do good, be informed about every issue, and make the right call. It can all start to build up and make you feel like a par- make you feel a little paranoid. There are so many, um, so many decisions to make during the day, and so much pressure to <clears throat> to get it right. Wouldn't it be just? Wouldn't it be nice just? Um, just to stop worrying about it for once i would love that you know that would be that'd be a dream but that's a stumbling block that i face on a daily basis now it doesn't have to be about my faith but it could be something else it could be about college it could be about your work for instance or it could be about your relationship because you're worried in your relationship that you might let your partner down and therefore by you worrying about it too much you become paranoid about your relationship and therefore you hit uh, very dangerous territory in that sense. And so <clears throat> there are so many decisions, there are so many decisions to make during that day and so much pressure to get it right. So wouldn't it be nice just to stop worrying about it for once? What happens when the stress of doing good gets to be just too much? Well, we read what Peter had to say. Peter wrote about this in First Peter. And he said that, yes, sometimes doing the right thing can be stressful, can be antagonizing, can be burdensome. But he reminded his readers that Jesus suffered too. That's one thing I want to reiterate. Jesus, not only do we suffer, but Jesus also suffered as well on our behalf. But he suffered a worse death than we will, we can ever imagine. He suffered worse than we've ever had. He suffered beatings that we've never, ever imagined would happen to a person. Let alone he hung on the cross for over six and a half hours. That is the worst punishment, I think, in man known man to history. And that when you, <clears throat> because when we feel stressed about doing good, we can remember that Jesus was right there. He knows how it feels. So if you're feeling worried or stressed about doing good, that usually means we're on the right track. The good news is that God blessed or blesses people trying to make wise choices. And you are going through right now will make will be worth it. You don't have to be a perfectionist. You can learn to rely on the one who is already perfect. You can rely on God who sent his son to die on the cross so that you don't have to like when the mistakes are made when you let down your significant other you know that jesus has already covered the sins and that you don't have to worry about it but do you have to make wise decisions yes do you have to obey your wife yes does a wife have to obey you yes and do at the same time 
do both of you guys have to obey God? Yes, within a relationship. Because if the importance of it is, is that it, the Bible commands us to, and that he blesses those who obey. And we also have to make the right decisions too. We can't make stupid decisions on purpose. For instance, if I know that drinking Dr. Pepper, you know, at a very unhealthy level, if I know that, you know, if I only drink Dr. Pepper all the time and I know it's a very unhealthy decision, well, I also have a choice to whether continue drinking or do I switch it up and drink it, drink water for a day and then go back to Dr. Pepper about a can or two a day? Yes, that's a smart decision. So you also have that. You also have to do your part, not just rely on God's part because God knows perfect things, but he also wants you because he gave the free will to make, to think for yourself. And so with this in mind, we're going to end it with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us together. We thank you that we can just come here in reverence of you, Lord. Lord, I just pray that we live a life that is obedient unto you. We live a life that is blessing. We live a life that is glorifying to you, Lord. I pray for any broken relationships that um, are uh, out there, Lord. I pray that you can just protect and recover those relationships. Heal those broken relationships. Because you're an awesome God. And may you guide our hearts as we continue on the path that yes up before us. So that when you cross that finish line, Lord, we can run into your arms. And we can hear you say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Well, with this in mind, guys, I hope you have an awesome day. And remember, God loves you. And I'll meet you at the finish line. Bye. gonna be afraid cause these waves are only waves I'm not gonna be afraid no I'm not gonna be afraid and I'm not gonna fear the storm you are great